namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa udang dhammang sankhang namasami Start with the word of the Buddha, reading from the Numerical Discourses, Yangutra, Nikaya, Book of the Tens, Sutta 2, called Volition. Because for a virtuous person, one whose behavior is virtuous, no volition need be exerted, let non-regret arise in me. It is natural that non-regret arises in a virtuous person, one whose behaviour is virtuous. For one without regret, no volition need be exerted, let joy arise in me. It is natural that joy arises in one without regret. For one who is joyful, no volition need be exerted, let rapture arise in me. It is natural that rapture arises in one who is joyful. For one with a rapturous mind, no volition need be exerted. Let my body be tranquil. It is natural that the body of one with a rapturous mind is tranquil. For one tranquil in body, no volition need be exerted. Let me feel pleasure. It is natural that one tranquil in body feels pleasure. For one feeling pleasure, no volition need be exerted. Let my mind be concentrated. It is natural that the mind of one feeling pleasure is concentrated. For one who is concentrated, no volition need be exerted. Let me know and see things as they really are. It is natural that one who is concentrated knows and sees things as they really are. For one who knows and sees things as they really are, no volition need be exerted. Let me be disenchanted and dispassionate. It is natural that one who knows and sees things as they really are is disenchanted and dispassionate. For one who is disenchanted and dispassionate, no volition need be exerted. Let me realize the knowledge and vision of liberation. It is natural that one who is disenchanted and dispassionate realizes the knowledge and vision of liberation. Thus, because the knowledge and vision of liberation is the purpose and benefit of disenchantment and dispassion. Disenchantment and dispassion are the purpose and benefit of the knowledge and vision of things they really are. The knowledge and vision of things as they really are is the purpose and benefit of concentration. Concentration is the purpose and benefit of pleasure. Pleasure is the purpose and benefit of tranquility. Tranquility is the purpose and benefit of rapture. Rapture is the purpose and benefit of joy. Joy is the purpose and benefit of non-regret and non-regret is the purpose and benefit of virtuous behavior. 
Thus, because one stage flows into the next stage, one stage fills up the next stage for one going from the near shore to the far shore. He one. It's just awesome, isn't it? It's difficult to keep the tears from your eyes when you hear things like this. What a what a what a journey awaits. What a movement and such grace and fluidity to it. It is poignant sometimes mysterious, sometimes stirring, sometimes seemingly obvious terms. This is the journeys of the Buddhas, often from things that seem so matter-of-fact, you think, wow, yeah, so what? To things you think, oh, really? And then things you think, what? (laughs) And then, oh, how did that happen? From this shore to the further shore, this is the, the hallmark of the of the Buddha teaching right from where your feet stand most securely into where we are truly marveled and lifted and taken away to somewhere blissful, peaceful. What, what a journey. And, uh, What a movement. And what is it that moves that journey? What is, what is capable of undertaking that, that journey? Yeah, well, I'll place the word citta there for your reference. Maybe this word, I keep using it in Pali because I never feel entirely secure with any of the English words, but you get the sense of the, the, where it's used, what it's referred to. Uh, you know, jitta is the seat of volition. Mm. So he's saying, here doesn't need to push. It just needs, in fact, to linger, dwell, steady itself, drink in the goodness, drinking the goodness till it's full and then it moves on. And this is perhaps the piece that doesn't, wouldn't necessarily come through on this reading because I imagine, you know, of people in the world you are probably all the most virtuous. I mean, you know, it could be people more virtuous, but you look at look at the general, at the, at the field that you're in. <laughs> There's a lot of people less virtuous, and not keeping one precept or even half a precept. So you know, this is it. But do you experience regret? I'm sure. Do you experience joy, occasionally maybe, feeling of inadequacy maybe, because the quality, the beauty beauty of it, the flowering beauty, the delicacy, the sensitivity, 
the sweetness of virtue is not really taken in, settled in, nestled in, absorbed, uh, allowed to reset how you sense yourself. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think to the extent to which this quality is not fully uh, absorbed, taken in, uh, not just behave, not just rights and wrongs, but the, the, the sensitivity of that, of that quality, not just praise, blame, behaviour, punishment, you know, but actually the, the sensitivity that inclines towards non-harming. Yeah. Straight, clean speech, non-devious, non-manipulative, non-cynical, non-bruising mm. to oneself and to others. Do you dwell virtuously towards yourself? Is that quality fully taken in? absorbed, made much of, or do you, are you someone whose mind is beset with this terrible disease of uh, self-criticism and condemning and and cursing yourself? Can one behave with virtue to this? Because the, uh, the set that needs to be reset if we take ourselves to be a person and we've set, as most of us will have done, set our mind, set our boundaries around being a person, an object in the world, then we take ourselves as objects, as images, as impressions, as statistics, as narratives. You know, we have a kind of psychological photograph of ourself, that we then look at, could be better, don't like that bit, other people look a lot better than that, other people do a lot better than that, and of course all the memories of what has been said or done to this person in terms of belittling or dismissing or berating and so forth, that all comes in, if we take the person as the foundation and then you know then it's how well have I done am I a nice person good person and then yeah it always goes twisted when we look into what is this heart and here's another word I will use for chitta spirit Spirit really gives you the sense of something that's buoyant. Uh, Good spirit. Lift your spirits up. Spiritual life. A life lived from the spirit. The spirit moves me. Brightens, quickens. It has a certain dry, you know, energy to it. And with that, one can do many things that the person doubts whether she can do it. 
I couldn't let I couldn't let go of things. I couldn't take that on. I couldn't manage that. No, neither could I. But the spirit can. Don't ever belittle the magnificence of the spirit. What it what it's, it can do. In fact, relish it and appreciate it. Mm. So in our practice, the sense of appreciating spirit, appreciating heart, appreciating awareness, if you like that. Uh, And really setting or, or reconfiguring citta not as a cognitive organ in the in the normal verbal sense, which discriminates objects, but as a a place of inspiration, aspiration, and desperation, a place that's desperate for meaning, beauty, peace. That's what gets us here, isn't it? It's not. A, a rational process. It's not a logical deduction, though you may have logical deduction on top of it, the urge that makes one people do drop out of their lives to follow this. They do radically shift their lifestyles around. They leave home, they give up things completely. And people say, you're mad. And you say, Yes, it's wonderful being this man. <laughs> you just choose different kinds of madness. You have your madness of going to work every day, driving yourself crazy, uh, and earning lots of money that you can't, that doesn't do you any good. You like that one? I like this one. This is where you learn to rise above the sense consciousness, around circumstance, and you rise above personal identity into the field of Dhamma. And you begin the rising by honouring a capacity to be a virtue. So much so that when one slips and makes mistakes, it's, it's ah, no, I've lost that. then ah, I've slipped. Let me return to that. Because one is sensitive. Sensitivity. And the sensitivity must be respected. You can't just brutalize it into law and order. That doesn't bring around, it just brings around fear based morality, conformist based morality, thou should based morality, pressurized morality. And we're trying to cultivate sensitive morality sympathetic morality to others as to myself realizing the pain caused unnecessary pain caused through abuse and the loss of the treasure of friendship and trust it's not just the pain of abuse but the loss the massive loss of friendship trust cooperation 
ease that could be there if we if we honor and cultivate this human feature so you know one of us cultivated it as a sense of you know no regret I have made mistakes this is not always clear to me now it is clear I'm grateful that this this has become clear for me not you know, I've wasted five years of my life fooling around, or ten years of my life, or twenty years of my life. Start now and feel blessed that this sense is coming into focus and to be enjoyed and appreciated. Now, today, this really, I want to emphasize this quality of mudita resonating off these upper mana states, mudita, appreciative joy, appreciative gladness and this uh, can be both in, in, in terms of content that is I appreciate the, uh, the offerings that are made, I appreciate the generosity I appreciate the good company I appreciate, I'm gladdened by that but also on a more sublime level on, on um, non-self level I appreciate the fact that I'm sensitive that there is sensitivity that the mind can appreciate there is such a thing as spirit, as chitta that can be sensitive not just the machine not just bound up with time and shape of my body and whether I how good I am at school I deeply appreciate sensitivity which manifests in my attunement and respect for the welfare of others and also just for the, the precision and delicacy that's required in terms of virtue of balancing quality intention is steadied in that respect and this uh, retreat in this teaching and I'll once again spell it out intention comes first attention comes second you know, so what I mean by this is we as his sutta makes hopefully clear, in no way is this person ever focusing one-pointed on a particular object, but they are definitely focusing. They're focusing on the qualities of what's happening in the heart, mood, tonality, uh, you know, where's the energy going? So they're definitely attentive, but attentive to the field, the heart field. Is the heart purified, free from regret? If not, I better address that. Yeah, I address that. Is it just because I've, well, what's happened? Then? Was there an error, a mistake? Mm. Then acknowledge that loss of mindfulness or something. Okay, good. Glad I've seen that. Now, what is it that sees that from a compassionate? healing space rather than a punitive 
space. Mm. So that we heal and restore the quality of citta where it's become impaired or blurred. And we might say these are kind of navigation errors in our boat. Tipped it or whoops. And it's always said that, you know, that uh, if you haven't killed your mother or father or attempted to kill a Buddha or split a Sangha or one or two other things that everything else is curable in this life. Even Angulimalu did kill 999 people and was about to kill his mother when the Buddha seeing this thought if he does that he'll be lost I better walk in here so the Buddha walked in so that Angulimala saw the Buddha rather than, so he didn't kill his mother he went to kill the Buddha of course the Buddha knew that was impossible and so this this serial killer then you know amazed awed struck humbled by the Buddha mm goes forth, becomes an arahant. You say, could, would this person have lived a life where no regret would have arisen for him? Must have done a fair bit of work to, uh, you know, rise up out of that. But yeah, this is the power of spirit. You can. moral sense we've we've so much been inducted to is well he should have been punished for that he should have been slammed in jail put in the chair, electrocuted, hung you know would it bring those people back? no like this vindictive vengeful streak so it's much better he became an arahant and used his life for the benefit of others and just got hung or executed. That's his way of paying it off. So we look at our errors and mishaps in such a way. No point wasting your time recriminating. Honour the spirit. Rise up. And a sense of what is it that does that? This is not the calculating mind, is it? Which adds up, if you notice the calculations, this, you know, swearing at my mother, you know, da, 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 sweeting, stealing candies, uh, you know, drinking, you know, substance abuse, failure. counting my sins, failure, you know, all totted up on the karmic sheet. Just keep cleaning. So this aware of the sensitivity and cultivating it. You say this is kind of basic metta, the willingness to come from the heart. 
from the spirit rather than from the calculating mind, vindictive, stingy mind, measuring mind, come from the measureless mind. And this coming from the measureless mind is the opening of metta. Because when you open the heart, it is naturally embracing as a suffusive, benevolent quality to it. Gladness, if there's no regret, if you've cleared regret, then there will be a certain gladness. Pamoja, here it's called joy. Freed, that that weight. This joy has to be sensed, understood, felt and lingered in. And this is, I think, where point to, to make strongly in today's uh, reflection. This is uh, the beginning of the hap- happiness. And you notice, essentially, in these first few um, teachings on this sutta, the emphasis is essentially on happiness. Joy, rapture, piti, soothing, tranquility, um, pleasure, sukha. That's the path to concentration in this presentation here. Right. Yeah, there's no kind of one-pointed fixation on a, on a sensation, is there? It's very much field effects, overall suffusive effects. Not saying there's no attention. Definitely one is attentive. Definitely one is observant. Definitely one is witnessing. Hmm? We're witnessing chitta. And we're witnessing chitta as it touches body in this sense. In the only place the chitta can touch body it can only touch body in a somatic place. Cannot chitta has no tactile consciousness, no visual consciousness, no auditory consciousness. It doesn't operate like that. It operates through meanings, feelings, shimmerings, perceptions, energies. The only way it can touch the body in this sense is we call it internally or somatic sense. Mm. Where the happiness of the uplifted heart meets the body, the body's energy, there is this rapture and easing, soothing of these, we could say in English, and nervous system. like it like that and I've never found a single word for any word for nerves or nervous system in Pali presumably they didn't know knew what it was but they knew what it felt like and if you check it out for yourself I've never seen a single reference to the word nerve because when you consider it as in terms of anatomy you look at a dead body you don't see you wouldn't see nerves, you see bones and flesh, guts, sinews, marrow, juices of various kinds. You'd see that. And that's the kind of way that people would see a body in, the, in that day and age. You didn't have, they'd see these festering corpses or things cut open. 
but nerves are very fine. And although the neurochemicals, no understanding that at all. But this symbiotic, sensitive, flushing experience that we might now attribute to neurochemicals and nervous energies, this is this bodily sankara, bodily forming, constantly forming the energetic presence of the body. It feels heavy, sunken, shattered and broken, discordant, sagging. And it can feel bright and luminous and uplifted. Mm. And as we enter that with the heart, with the spirit, that is as in, already imbued with the ability to linger, appreciate, and gladden. Mm. So we appreciate, we linger in the quality of virtue, the sensitivity of it, until we we feel that sense of lift. is great gain for me. Uh, My heart is now free from the stain of violence and vengefulness and blaming. To the extent it is free, I feel a weight lifted off my heart. I'm glad. I'm gladdened. Because of that glad-heartedness, one feels this uh, tingling, this kind of rapturous, buoyant energy arising. And then steadying in that. Steadying, soothing. Uh, When you're feeling very, you know, up and inspired and zingy, the encouragement, that's great. Great, but now widen, soften, just soothe, soothe with that. You know, it's not time to just start, you know, sort of revving up, but actually appreciate and take it back into this embodiment, feeling the whole body soothing, steadying, and the body becomes you know, the, the, all that density of body becomes very the weave opens till you have something that's almost like a gossamer quality to it it's fine it becomes fine material and then naturally if this is this is the case one mind feels here it's just called pleasure sukha What what a pleasure this is it's almost pitiful to use this simple word that we can, you know, pleasure of drinking a can of Coca-Cola or something like that. This is, this is the Buddha said. This is the kind of pleasure you should not be, not you should not be, don't fear this pleasure. He said to the monks, don't don't be frightened of this pleasure. Don't fear it. Don't be worried by it. Interesting, it makes such a statement because, of course, maybe it becomes obvious. It's sort of, it, it, you lose your anchorage in some respect, you know. Because it, it takes you and you lift. And response to this is often, can be the sense of 
shut down, I don't feel steady, uh, or I shouldn't feel pleasure, I'm going to get attached to pleasure. Don't get attached to pleasure. This is a vague sort of shadow of, of guilt hangs around pleasure because pleasure is so often associated with something more carnal. Um, samisa called pleasure associated uh, with uh, car- uh, corporeality or sensuality. Samisa. But this is called niramisa. Niramisa means the, the, the pleasure that is sublime, uh, fine material, associated with virtue and, and purity of heart. So this pleasure you should cultivate. A wise meditator knows how to cultivate their own pleasure. This was, of course, the radical teaching of the Buddha. Radical teaching of the Buddha. For this he was decried. For this he was blamed. This Gautama teaches pleasure. He has lost the way. Yeah, when he was with his fellow strivers in the ascetic Gotama, uh, supreme ascetic, says that no one, as in, there could be those who equaled the austerities and miseries I heaped upon my body, to the extent that when I scratched my belly I could feel my spine. When I scratched what was left of my hair, it fell out by the roots. Mm-hmm. My ribs were like the crazy rafters of a, of a broken down rafters of a roofless barn they stuck out. My eyes were like deep pits with a vague twinkling at the bottom of the, like the twinkling of water at the bottom of a well. My eyes were so sunken. I said, you know, I even tried to stop breathing altogether till the wind in my head split my head open. There's no one could have gone further along that line than I did. At the end of it, I thought, this is fruitless. That that was the trajectory of of what they call spirituality, and it's still around, and it's still alive and well. (laughs) This uh, tighten it up, squeeze it out, get out of this body mentality, and it's there in all, all religions who have this streak in them. Because it's not been understood, because body has not been understood, is uh, the Buddha tersely commented on. He was talking to the ascetic Satchika, who describes ascetic practices, saying, This is how we developed in body. He says, We develop in body by learning to do all these austerities. And the Buddha says, Oh, really? So what happens are, how do you manage to survive? He says, well, after we've done a period of austerities, then we have a little, little, some dinner and fatten up again. And he said, Buddha said, this isn't called development body, this is just called it getting skinny and getting fat. <laughs> There's no development in this. <laughs> and so I describe development in body like this. <laughs> you know, and, you know, that he talks about meditation, you know, what's he talking about? Uh, how he developed in body and meditation, weightlifting, 
yoga? I don't think so. And this this embodiment thing has become so prevalent, and particularly in the analytical um, movement that occurred a few hundred years after the Buddha, which went very cerebral, is they more or less left the body out. It became just mental precision, mental precision, mental precision, moment by moment mental precision was the main, uh, the big thing in the early third century, second centuries. And that became the foundation for what was called um, Vipassana. And I think many people still carry some of that. And the body is left out. But when the Buddha talks about developing a body, this is samatha. This is this experience of deepening, steadying in this body. The kaya saki, the body witness. Mm. One who is fully sensing in their own body. At least as a, as a theme. Not as by any means the, the only thing, but as a theme. And it's a powerful theme and it's such a necessary theme. Why does the Buddha teach jhana? so often because it's in this very body and his his own realization from being a ascetic is how okay have a little bit of food what you need because his body is not suitable this emaciated body is not capable it's too weakened to do the work therefore look after it use the life force stop this merciless punishment of the body instead cultivate the middle way and feel the happiness and ease of dwelling in a settled body and directing himself to in and out breathing and that was the you check it out for yourself that was the that was the history that he's laid laid down about his own awakening what does he mean you know Clearly, there's a lot of body there. There's a lot of sense of uh, basic, fundamental goodwill. Feeling safe. Remembering when I was a little boy, sitting at the root of a tree in the shade, watching my father plowing the field. I felt this happiness. Safe. Guardian, father nearby cool of the shade under a tree ah happy mightn't this be the way to liberation explores it yes this is the way because mind is comfortable body is not stressed Um, these then too but essentially the process that is encouraged Certainly there's precision, certainly there's attention, but it's attention to field effects such as moods, atmospheres, contexts, where the whole, the whole body, not as a, so much as flesh and blood thing, but as a sensitive system. How does it feel in this space? Is it safe? And if it doesn't feel safe, what is needed? to bring that around because if that isn't there it's not going to go any further then one's practice is to 
do that to bring up those signs and qualities that support that until one can sit figuratively, metaphorically under a tree in the shade feeling safe step you know for, for Anapanasati this is step one but I don't think Anapanasati is step one of liberation I think liberation begins with appreciation of one's heart of one's spirit of one's sensitivity Pomoja gladness arises right intention and then samadhi notice here we have uh, if there is this sense of niramisa pleasure, pleasure not born of senses, pleasure born of skillful heart effects, volitions inclinations perceptions it is natural that one one's mind will be concentrated it will be concentrated it will not have to get concentrated it will not concentrate it will be concentrated what's in a word? Mm. well look at that process it is natural another pertinent term get this one dhammata dhammata it is dhammic It is in accordance with Dhamma, the natural law, the natural order, the way it is, the naturalness. So this is the natural Dhamma process, is this, and it moves like nature moves. Just as trees grow through rooting into soil, drinking moisture absorbing light spindly growing green this is you know absorbing more light more water taking it and becoming strong strengthened and then beginning to bestow as they do such wonderful things shade fresh air shelter for insects because now they are strong Similarly, chitta is like this. First you must be trained to receive the gift, its own gift. Absorb it, drink it in, be strengthened by it. Don't try supporting a lot of wildlife yet when you're only a two inch high stub. Keep growing and it will be natural that one's potential will increase and you won't even realize you're doing it, you're just being natural. And then you just like a tree, natural. The Buddha used this image saying, you know, for the the great lay disciple is like a tree at the crossroads in which so many creatures can come and nestle and bhikkhus, bhikkhunis can sit in the shade. They're like this great sheltering tree. The tree is just being a tree doing what trees do, it doesn't 
proclaim anything, it just is. This quietening of volition, so the volition is no longer coming from the person trying to be or make or do or have it happen. The volition is a naturally arising potency that jitta has that begins to swell and flourish and radiate. And it's, this samadhi is then when this begins to be uh, coming into a, a definite, firmed up condition. So then, with this firmed up, steady chitta, then you begin to see how things are. Because the veils of deceit have fallen off. The confusions have dropped away, the murkiness is dispelled, the short-sightedness, the short span of attention has dispelled. So we see things truly. And this must be remember it time and time again, what is isn't really come through so clearly in all in this because such a short sutta is just what I would suggest in terms of practicing really learn how to linger a lot learn how to get rid of what next learn how to linger and wait and drink and savour and it will happen it will happen it's never been it's never been the case that there is nothing next (laughs) is it something's going to happen so why do you have to worry about it it's going to happen and if you trust and have confidence in the good you don't need to know what next because it it will happen as it always did so this sign of what to do next is just the quality we call doubt lack of deep trust so we, we experience that happening so now is not the time now is the time to to sense this slightly stirred disoriented quality we call doubt and now appreciate what is present don't try to find what isn't present just deeply appreciate what is present sense it, feel it, know it and almost speak to it so that you see it and you let it know that you see it. This sounds very strange. But in a way, although I you know, feel <laughs> strange saying this, if you, talk, if you talk to the spirit from your heart, it knows. It knows you're, you're listening. It knows you're taking it seriously and it starts to rise. If you keep talking to your personality, about what you are and shouldn't be and this, that and the other, that knows too. And it it doesn't go anywhere useful. I mean, you've probably been talking to yourself for years. <laughs> did it listen? Did it, did it change? <laughs> talking to the wrong person. <laughs> talk to yourself a lot, but talk to the chitta, not this this personal image. Talk to it with a mind, with a heart of goodwill.
encouraging compassion and appreciation, mudita. You've come this far. It's beautiful. Just to be sensitive is beautiful. Just to be sensitive is worthy. And you've experienced so much suffering and stress. You know, I'd like you to just let go of some of that. And relax. Get in your body, feel it. And linger, learning to linger in one's moves, in one's practice, in one's meditation practice, in one's oh, do this and then that, and then we could do this and we could do that, and we could do five of these, then we could do that. And just pause. Good idea, good energy, but just pause and linger. You're feeling happy. That's great. Just take the happiness and linger in it. Take it in, deepen in it, steady in it. Let it refine to something luminous, expansive. See how things see how things really are. The world of becoming, that which is arisen, dependently arisen, dependently ceasing. No self in this. And then there is the quality of virtue. There's the quality of wisdom, there's the quality of generosity, there's the quality of faith in this chitta domain. And sometimes we think that's hers, we sometimes think he that's him, we sometimes think oh it's them, and occasionally we think that's me. <laughs> but it's just that quality. And you, you, as it arises, you sense it coming into the human domain. And the fact that you can sense it at all and be and uplifted by it, and inspired by it, this is beautiful. And then mudita, anamodana. Anamodana, mudita, this is the... Uh, we have the mealtime offering and a modana. There's a sense of how beautiful this quality of generosity is that has brought us together, made us all happy. What a beautiful quality this is. And what supports it? Because of those who you feel trust and respect for. So you're honouring the quality of trust and respect. You're honouring the quality of faith. You're honouring the quality of restraint. You're honouring the quality of commitment. And you honour it in others. And you honour it in others, you begin to honour it in yourself. So this is the holistic quality. Mudita. Mudita and Pamoja come from the same Pali root, mud. So one form is moja, the other form is mudita. And as we come into our reflections on Anapanasati, you'll also see this good abhipa mojaya. So it's thoroughly appreciative, gladdening, gladdened by chitta.
means now rather than the content of citta, now we're just appreciating the fact of it. How beautiful. There is this awareness, sensitivity, open, measureless, impersonal, not confined by a person. There is this. We must stand in awe and, and joy to that. And rather than just looking on numbly, there's a rising and appreciation of that. And this is this is the kind of extra touch to samadhi. It's a certain sense. You're not just holding it, but you're also holding it and, and with a valuing quality to it. So we don't we don't just put it in a box. This is to be understood as an idea and cultivated as a theme. Overall, the cultivation of mudita for virtuous actions one has done, virtuous actions that others have done. Forgiveness that one has accomplished, forgiveness that one has been offered. quality of uh, that in us which can experience metta that we can welcome others this has to be fully encouraged and it's just a sense of greeting for the heart rather from who she is and what she should be but just greeting the heart can you allow yourself to, to, to imagine that you are welcomed by others? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that, bear in mind and practice, that others might welcome you, welcome your presence? Can you meet that any resistance in that that could occur and begin to practice softening that? rather than being seen imagining therefore we have to be something do something, come up with something uh, excuse ourselves uh, just that sense of allowing yourself to be seen with a welcoming eye then one has cultivated metta Mm, if you've done this much well done well done this is great then, you know, surely you you cannot enter into the hell realms again. And you, when you look, when you realise that, when you know that, that makes sense. Because you look at the spirit, what happens there? When we live or seem to experience ourselves in a world where we're constantly, you know surrounded by a, by a fog of hostility uh, oh, defensiveness and needing to be something this is a penal sentence isn't it uh, if one can practice this uh, metta with regards to 
this form, this self, this parent person, then we will have accomplished much and the heart will not be going down into the gloomy domains. Then much appreciation for that. This quality of mudita then is also something that gives us what I refer to as core strength, which is not like a rock. It's firm, it's unbending, it's unbroken. It's the strength of life, strength of spiritual life. And it has to be nourished. Living, like any other living thing, we nourish it uh, with uh, these reflections and inclinations to appreciate the good that's been done, to appreciate that we've left certain unwholesome things have been known, discarded, put aside, finished. Phew, thank goodness I'm not doing that anymore. Appreciate, linger, be gladdened. This will strengthen the heart and make these qualities of pleasure and ease more available. One will see things as they are. One becomes disenchanted with the daydream and the fantasies and the neurotic perceptions and the consumer hype and the propaganda buzz and the blur and the glitter and the glitz and the stories and the fantasies and the movies and the media and the this, that and the other. Even one's own inner movies. You know, just disenchanted, dispassionate towards all that. Coming out of the dream. Waking up. This is the liberation of the chitta from all of these Basis. Mm. A process of considerable flow, natural process, has to occur in line with natural law. Take root, find your ground, settle in, steady in. Receive, drink in, absorb, be filled, let it, let it grow. That's the natural law.